Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Gina. And I'm Jason. And this week we thought we'd get away from the Hollywood machine um, and do a review of a film, you know, maybe from from somewhere else, just to kind of get a different perspective. It's recommended by our therapist. <laughs> um, and that film is Thelma. And we'll get to that in a moment. Um, but before we do, it did seem um, like we had to... Uh, you know, the elephant in the room, perhaps, um, is the... Uh, the giant fish monster in the room. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so Shape of Water winning um, Best Picture Oscar, Best Director, some Best Score, some other Oscars. Um, we never did a review of Shape of Water, but it did seem that maybe, like, this was something we should address because we did see the film and we did have some opinions on it. Um, so let me maybe just start asking you... Stop asking you, Jason. Um, you know what's your uh, what's your reaction to uh, the Shape of Water's success at the yeah. Academy Awards? Yeah, I, it was pretty surprising. I, I mean, I remember. I think I maybe we saw it after it was already announced that it had been nominated for the award, and so I was like, "Well, it's probably going to be shit because it's nominated." But how bad could it be? And then, uh, <laughs> famous last words. <laughs> the I think the surprising part about it to me is that. Um, it doesn't actually seem like it's doing anything really new. Uh, it felt, especially the first half hour, felt completely recycled from uh, Tim Burton and uh, Amelie, basically. And then, and also from Guillermo del Toro. Exactly, films. it has the exact same ending as Pan's Labyrinth. Um, and yeah, it it kind of just so much of it felt like um, it didn't really work. And the main thing that kind of bothered me about it was. Uh, the attention that it's gotten and um, the what people are saying about it, which is that they're holding it up as this film that has a really great message because it's about, um, you know, love crossing these boundaries and, um, you know, this, you know, this appreciation for somebody other than yourself, blah, blah, blah. However, the film, um, it doesn't ever really... <laughs> It doesn't really ever give you the sense that the aqua fish creature is actually anything resembling a person. Um, he has. There's no personhood that they that they give him. Basically, he uh, understands how to say the word egg, and on the basis of that, um, they throw him into like a sort of uh, romantic sexual relationship with the Sally Hawkins character, and it just it felt just super weird to me. It it is interesting how this has sparked a debate about bestiality. Yeah, in fact. which I think um, is very telling. <laughs> But <laughs> there are some some really interesting articles um, now. You know, kind of interviewing people who who have been known for having sex yeah. with dolphins. For like instance. when I wanted to fuck a dolphin, it was oh, you can't do that. <laughs> but, but now look, <laughs> complaint being that well, this is a great a great movie, but uh, you know the creature is just too human. Whereas we should be respecting all. Um, human non-human yeah. relationships yeah. so i think that's that's kind of interesting that that's that's what it's um sort of given rise to um but yeah it, it isn't like a you know little mermaid with the kind of the genders reversed in any way it, mm. it really is like but anyway that's a bit weird but it, it is um also kind of telling that it seems there's there's such an, a desire now in the media for whenever a film comes along to kind of give it this kind of um narrative which mm. which fits with the narrative that we want to tell about films it's like we're so obsessed with the context of a film without necessarily kind of um ever wanting to engage with it on its own kind of rules you know as like uh, a piece of art or you know a piece of storytelling even it's kind of like about how is this going to fit with our narrative right. about what what a film should be um which 
you know, that's that's cool if, like, it is that kind of film. I mean, I think, like, um, you know, last year's winner, uh, Moonlight, was obviously, like, a really important film, not just because it was, like, a, a good film, you know, artistically. It also did have this kind of sociopolitical context. And I think, you know, that's that's totally justified and that's interesting and it's part of the reason why, why it won and why it was a good film. But but this is like, it's you're really just trying to shoehorn. Yeah. You're just like drawing, it's clutching its straws. Yeah. Um, and it's just funny though how, how seriously people take this debate because I suppose like some right-wing um, commentators I mean, were kind of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're like up in arms about the fact that like the main, the good characters is kind of this alliance of like an old an old gay man a mute woman and a black woman and, and a, a fish. communist <laughs> and a communist yeah <laughs> a russian uh, communist defector which is you know which is the so dream funny. team <laughs> yeah it's the end of civilization exactly um yeah but it is uh, yeah i don't know it, it's it still is very weird to me um why so many people like this film and why it's it's done so well yeah yeah it's a mystery one that we shouldn't dwell on too much i guess yeah, we should really we should really uh, move on from this. Um, yeah, Thelma, go. Yeah, okay, so Telma uh, comes from the Norwegian uh, Wahim Trier, who has previously done films such as Oslo, August 31st, and Louder Than Bombs. It centers around the title character Telma, who is a young student from a very conservative religious family who has just moved to Oslo and started uni, and who possesses a mysterious power that she cannot control, which can have very real consequences on those around her. Um, so Gina, as a horror film, um, how do you think this, this works? I mean, we saw it as billed as like a horror night. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not. Um, I don't know that it fits into the, the horror genre. Um, it's definitely kind of like one of the, the sort of cross genre films that, um, seem to be popping up now. I mean, the, the basic, it, it sort of fits in with this line of, um, films about telekinesis, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very, actually, if you compare it to other films, about that, like, say, like, Carrie or The Ring or um, what are some others that we... Matilda. About? <laughs> Matilda, right. Um, it, it definitely... Oh, or The Witch, for yeah. instance, which is not about telekinesis, but kind of a, a similar film. It really does have a lot of the similar tropes to that. Um, you know, it's got, like, the strict kind of religious, like, stru- slightly brutal parents, um, young kind of post puberty or like you know still like coming of age story for this woman who's only just kind of like gotten some freedom from them um has a power she can't control uh you know so it's it very much does fit into a genre but at the same time it doesn't really fit into a genre of horror because there's not really much horror in this Mm. it's much more like a kind of a mystery what's going on like sort of thriller so i and I, I found that kind of disappointing, actually, because I think it really could have gone further into the realm of fantasy and the realm of gore, maybe, yeah. or even just, just suspense, you know. Um, I feel like it really kind of missed an opportunity to, to be a much more kind of psychologically, I suppose, disturbing or engaging film. 
Yeah, I mean, we talked about, I mean, I guess in my intro, I was talking about how yeah, this, her powers have consequences on the world around her, but that actually wasn't explored very much in the film because, um, you know, she maybe kind of has this uh, ability to make people disappear with her mind, but then also she can make them reappear again. So <laughs> she can kind of like, you know, if she re- has remorse, she can just kind of undo what she did. And so there isn't that interesting of this element of like you've crossed a road and you can't you can't turn back um which i think would make this more of a horrifying film when like yeah you actually have no control and you're making things um terrible for like everybody that you love blah 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 um so yeah i agree it did kind of have much more of a a little bit of a lamer ending because it ended up being more about like I've now learned to control my power. And I think you said something which was really funny, which is that it just it feels like an X-Men's origin story. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so similar to like the story of Rogue, for instance. Yeah. Or um and it had about the same, I would say, like production values as well, you know, where it's kind of you wouldn't necessarily say this is a family friendly film, but it definitely doesn't cross any boundaries where you say, Oh my god, like children mm. can't see this. Like it it does also have that kind of well you know some scary things happen but everything's all right at the end you know now she can like control control her powers yeah Um, which is expecting like rage against the machine to like play out with the the ending credits that she's walking out of her her uh yeah right she's all like suited up and killing in the name of (laughs) (laughs) yeah um missed opportunity yeah, I, I did think that um, the religious angle, though, was, was pretty interesting in the film. And it just mostly because of what I have to compare it with, uh, which is, you know, mostly American cinema. And uh, I did kind of like that it was more nuanced in this film. Like mm. you have this really religious family, which I think is quite it's even more of an outlier in a place like uh, Norway to have um, mm. people who are really um, Christlich, Christ, um, Christ, Christian and um yeah, but I, I I did like how it it didn't seem to pass a whole lot of judgment against the family. It, it was sort of more like you know this is what they believe. They have very firmly held beliefs. Um, you know, sort of later in the film, it kind of sort of shows that maybe they uh, it caused them to do some more like horrible things. But in the beginning, it kind of just you kind of feel for this gal who is in this um, environment around all these other university students, and they're just totally different from her, and she doesn't fit in. And there's this uh, conflict between this kind of old world and new world where you have like the old religion versus um, this sort of um, decadent hedonism. Yeah, exactly. The millennials. Yeah. And I I thought that that also kind of worked actually well in a a horror context. Mm. Um, Did you think that the the relationship uh, that was kind of at the center of the story, because of course it is also about her kind of falling in love with this other woman and what that unleashes within her. Um, did you, did you buy that? Did you think that was, that that kind of added to the film or, um, uh, like the specifically the relationship um, conflict, I think, uh, yes and no. And again, this is something that is also, cause I was reading reviews about it and, um, part of like the main, uh, what people assume is like the main source of conflict for her is that she's in a relationship with a woman, um, which, I don't know if that's a, as big of a taboo in like conservative, uh, even religious circles in, in Norway as it is in the U.S. And it, even in the film, it doesn't seem to be as um, as big of a deal. Uh, so I think it kind of worked because you can kind of tell it was more about like these sort of these primal sins of lust. And perhaps mm. the sin of lust is 
um, it's more uh, uniquely distilled when it's like you know lust between like a, a woman and a woman where there's not like this you know uh, quote unquote like coupling in the name of procreation that's mm. happening. It's more like unbridled lust. Mm. To what end? <laughs> um, so I, I can sort of see it feeling that a bit, um, but yeah, it it felt a little bit tacked on. I have to say, mm. Mm. yeah. I I think overall it it was a pretty good film. Um, I definitely enjoyed it more than Shape of Water. <laughs> yeah. Um, I yeah, I, I I think it is interesting also, like that even though it was um a fantasy to a great degree, how realistic it was, and I think what what you kind of touched on by saying you know that that the family's very subtly depicted i think that's kind of part of its realism is it really does um depict society in a in a believable way it doesn't need to kind of create characters that represent different extremes perhaps um three billboards yeah yeah especially like you know compared to some of those films you think wow it's it's actually you know believe the characters are believable and that makes the story interesting because you can actually sort of um first of all you don't know where it's going necessarily you think well you know these are people could do anything at this stage um but it it definitely does make it somehow more reflective of of society yeah but how did uh you think it because i haven't seen anything else from this director um you said this film seemed uh, it felt quite different like you were surprised it was by the same director as oslo right, 31st. yeah um so oslo august 31st was the uh the first movie by him that i saw which was a really really different film i mean it's um much kind of uh much more low-key even though this was quite low-key as well um, and that was a film essentially about a, a recovering drug addict who returns uh, to Oslo and kind of, you know, it's a day in his life. You know, he's sort of visiting old friends. Um, he's visiting the house where he grew up. Um, and that was a really like I was absolutely blown away by how good that film was um, and how kind of really touching and emotional and and sort of. Uh, real it was. I mean, it was a fantastic film. And, you know, dealing with kind of, um, I mean, I guess we, we kind of have this idea about, oh, you know, if you make a film about uh, someone who has issues with addiction, you know, it's going to automatically be this kind of um, maybe maybe melodramatic. Or moralistic. Of, yeah. yeah, or moralistic. And it wasn't that because it almost, his drug addiction was kind of pushed into the background to a great degree. And it was more about how, how difficult it is to live a meaningful life, really. Um, and this was a, a really different film. And I don't know if it's because in between he made um, Louder Than Bombs, which I suppose is kind of a more sort of mm-hmm. standard uh, big budget film. But this this was not uh, definitely didn't have the same kind of human qualities. I think it, it was um, yeah much much more in the realm of you know psychological drama, thriller, which is not a bad thing. But it, it's definitely like a, a strange direction to go. I think I would love to see him do another film like um, yeah. Oslo, August thirty one. You know, maybe on a different. You I, know. I, yeah, I was a bit surprised that this was. A, I it just felt like a sort of first time director film mm. to me because it. The, it just felt kind of simple in its construction, but it was very tight, very tightly done, and um, I think it was well executed. But it didn't seem to have like a, a very, you know, big, unique vision or way of way of doing it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe maybe after this, he's going to go in a more kind of a Danish dogma direction, which I think would be really cool. I think yeah. he he could like pare it down and um, just do something way. Way more simple. I wouldn't be surprised if Dogma kind of comes back in some way, shape, or form. Oh, 
oh yeah i'm sure for some people it never really left yeah i guess now you have people releasing all these films on iphones and stuff yeah tangerine yeah i wonder what what the dogma manifesto if there's a clause in there for filming on a handheld device (laughs) okay well we better wrap it up there yep until next time thanks for listening bye